Everything Everywhere All at Once is a fast-paced science fiction film featuring Michelle Yeoh jumping around the multiverse whilst trying to finish her taxis. We were excited to finally check this one out and see if it lived up to the expectations created by the buzz online. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greeting citizens. Now Tara, I hope you're paying attention to me in this universe. Uh, and possibly other universes as well. You have a message for me? Yes. Instructions? I have instructions. Uh, put the sunglasses on the banana. <laughs> And <laughs> I can't think of anything else funny, okay? That's the, the only random thing that came in my head. Uh, this is a science fiction movie podcast, and if the last, like, ten seconds uh, were very confusing, uh, they'll make more sense when we talk about the movie, I promise. It is relevant <laughs> to what's in the film. Uh, we are talking in this episode about everything, everywhere, all at once, which is a film that came from A24 earlier this year, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh, and it's uh, you know a film about the multiverse, a film about you know parallel universes, and someone who kind of starts tapping into other universes. And uh, of course, we'll start spoiler free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get any spoilers. Uh, the trailer kind of came out at the start of the year and sort of su- surprised everyone, just in the sense that oh, this looks kind of wacky and different and unique. So people were kind of hyped about it, uh, and it got some pretty reasonable buzz. Uh, you know, but it had a very staggered release between regions, so we couldn't really do it until it hit the the home video market. Uh, so here we are, uh, finally, here at the end of July, uh, to talk about it. So, um, that's what we're going to talk about. Um, yeah. So like I say, basic premise: uh, Michelle Yeoh plays this uh woman, this mother who runs a laundrette. And there's then a little bit of bother with the IRS. Uh, they're being audited. And as a, Jamie Lee Curtis is in here in a role. She plays the uh, IRS agent. Is agent the right word? Um, auditor. Auditor. <laughs> uh, I'm sure she says agent at one point in this. But again, she might be like trying to make herself sound more important than she actually is. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they're having a bit of bother, but uh, very early on, her husband starts like changing into like a different version of himself and like giving her these like messages and hints. And from there, it just kind of unravels into this wild like concept of u- multiverse, universe hopping and uh, lots of inventive fight scenes and all sorts of shenanigans. So I'll, I'll save the, the, the the proper explanation for when we get spoilers, because I think a lot of the plot is kind of, you know, should, should you should go in relatively cold, I think, and just let it kind of hit you the, the way it is. But um, that is the film. And our husband, we should mention, is played by Ki-Hu Kwan, who uh, is notable for a couple of roles, but notably the roles that he's notable for uh, were both in the 80s when he was a child. <laughs> uh, the Goonies and... Uh, the second in the uh, Jones movie, Temple of Doom. <laughs> so, he's, he's... And it's not even like... When I heard he was going to be back in a movie, I thought, oh, yeah, oh, it's cool that he's getting a cameo. This is not a cameo. He's like the second lead character. He has tons of screen time. He has tons of stuff to do. He's playing multiple versions of the character. He, he is like... Has he been acting? 
I thought and, like we just didn't notice him or did thought, he come back I thought this movie he so before this movie his last well technically he had, he had the credit in 2021 but before that his previous work was 2002 and then before that 97 before that 92 yeah so basically he finished regularly acting in 1992 that, that's where his like regular acting role stopped because he's great in this oh yeah <laughs> it's, it's so weird uh yeah like yep he, he was acting from 1984 temple of doom up to 1992 and then he had one or two like i don't know cameos or like voice roles or something mm -hmm. uh, but other than that like yeah he was gone for like 30 years and <laughs> and came back and i think what's impressive about it is well two things one that he's so amazing in this but two <laughs> that i recognized him it's so weird but he just he has this way of talking when i'm like oh I, your data from goonies i, I can yeah. i can hear it pretty quickly too like once he starts speaking in english you're like oh oh yeah when he's speaking when he's speaking <laughs> in mandarin yeah when he's speaking in mandarin I, I, you know, obviously I, don't, I don't hear it then but as yeah. soon as he started speaking in english i'm like oh wait i know exactly who you Jones? are <laughs> um and then the uh like her father michelle Yeoh's father in this is also a recognizable face from big Little, big trouble in little china and i looked this actor up. i mean he's been in so many things he's done so much voiceover work also he's done a lot of voiceover work but i mean the main the main thing people know from is big trouble in little china but he i looked him up that dude is 90 years old <laughs> yeah he is old <laughs> he's an old man um so credit to him for still being so vibrant and uh and his role in this uh, is he then, in the episode of Seinfeld where they go to the Chinese restaurant? Uh, I don't remember. Mm. It, it may be, but I don't, I don't remember. Seinfeld 4? <laughs> so, uh, and then the other main character is uh, the, the, their daughter, uh, Joy, who is not a teenager, but is, like, close to a teenage. Young adult? Yeah, young yeah. adult, yeah. yeah. yeah close, close to her own age. So, that, that is your, your main set of characters. Uh, but, uh, yes, Tara, what did you think of Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? I loved this film. I thought it was, uh, super fun to watch. I mean, the trailers were fun, so you kind of got that. It was just such a cool spotlight of not just, um, Michelle Yeoh and, like, all of her acting capabilities, but also, um, uh, Short Round. Sorry, I don't remember his name. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I thought the, uh, the emotion really worked for me. Um, the 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 setup, although it was kind of hard at first to get into, um, uh, really got me by the end. Like even the like more ridiculous stuff I was looking at, I I was still like was feeling the emotion of it, and I really liked the messages of the film. Yeah, I quite like the film as well. Um, I I do think that the first half is stronger than the second half. I and I think that's maybe because it's a little bit too long in the second half. I think. Not meanders, but like I, I do feel like it can make the same, exact same points that it makes with just a little bit of trimming the fat. But uh, like there is a lot of emotion in the second half, and I do like the ultimate messages that it gets to by the end of the second half. Uh, but I think the first half is like this really inventive, like almost just action movie setup where it, it, it there's really impressive fight scenes, the mechanic of like setting up the rules of how it all works, and then it playing out uh you, you know like kwan uh playing the husband uh his name's waymond in the movie he he has this like fight scene with a fanny pack which is just exceptionally well shot 
exceptionally well choreographed it's really fun um but so i think the performances are very good like the the, the main two i mean all four of the main cast are, are really good actually but mm-hmm. like the, the the main couple like they are both exceptional and obviously you came into it expect expecting this to be a showpiece for michelle yo because she's the, she's the star she's the one that's in all over the trailer but like he he damn near steals the show and not because mm-hmm. she's slacking just because he is so impressive in this movie and he's, he's really important to the, the the message of the film as well um the other thing i would say is that this movie has such a strong directorial touch like right from the start of this film uh the opening like 10 minutes i like it set me up for like it put me in a really good mood because it was such a strong set piece not of action but just simply of we're going to set up just how hectic their lives are and like the you know the, the transition between their apartment and the laundrette and like dealing with customers to dealing with family troubles between the daughter and the grandfather and back and forth and sort of intermixing talking to customers and like like i was almost getting anxious the way it was like jumping around all these things but it did so effortlessly and it never felt confusing it was just like mm-hmm. you got this like this is the gauntlet that, that this woman is going through on a on a daily basis and this is what her life is like and obviously yeah. that's important for the themes of the film as it goes on but uh it was just such a strong directorial piece that by the time it does the almost joke thing where the first part of the title comes up with the big loud boom it's almost this this it's almost like a punchline to all of the chaos up until that point because it just comes up saying everything and it's mm-hmm. the, with the big loud noise and it's like oh that's obviously like a title moment and it's, it's you know it's fitting as a setup for the movie but it also just felt like yeah that's what it feels like i feel like i've just seen everything like everything's just been happening constantly yeah 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 so and michelle yo is having to carry all of it on her on her shoulders herself at least that's the setup yeah well i but i i well, i've got some debate on that but we'll save that for spoilers <laughs> Well, that's that's the the setup of the character yeah. that you're watching, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I I would even in the opening scene though, I I do think it kind of it kind of sets up that it's maybe a little self inflicted is not the right phrase. No, yeah, but, it's definitely a choice that yeah. she's carrying everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, p- part of her arc in the movie is she has to, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Spoilers. Uh, just you know, part of, like that's kind of part of what she has to, you know, learn and accept and grow from or so you know so on mm-hmm. so uh yes so uh but it, it is very good like I, like you know my my minor pacing qualms about the second half uh that i do feel goes on a little bit too long isn't really that much of a big deal in the grand scheme of things uh so but as it is you know it's a two hours and 20 minutes movie so i think if they could shave off like 10 15 minutes of that second half uh you know, uh, you know, no, I'm saying go make a director's cut just for me. Well, it'd be, direct, it'd be my cut, but <laughs> you know, I did feel like, um, because I, I watched it a second time today, I watched it earlier mm. this week and then watched it again today. And, um, the first time I watched it, I, I did feel like these scenes are going on a bit long and I'm not really feeling the emotions because of it. But this time when I watched it, I, it, the emotions like got to me really strong and uh the pacing didn't bother me because i it had my full attention <laughs> i don't know like it didn't i just saw more this time watching it yeah it's possible mm-hmm. i'll feel that the pacing works better in a second viewing when i when i'm fully aware of like, the point that it's going to get to because uh, you know it is very well constructed but it does also do a good job of like 
not necessarily being completely obvious what the end message is going to be until you're getting you know to a relative late point in the movie like there's definitely some points where you're thinking oh maybe the lesson's going to be this or maybe the ultimate mm-hmm. lesson that she learns is going to be this and you know what, what is the actual all the universe stuff like actually represent because honestly like you, you could read like the the one main universe that you see sort of play out uh later in the film you know because you've seen tons of universes you know later in the film there's the main one that i think you could argue if you really wanted to that that's the only thing that really happens in the movie and everything else is just a a metaphor for like what's going on and like mm-hmm. you know emotionally for for the characters uh mm-hmm. and everything else isn't really happening it's just kind of like a visual representation of stuff but uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i could see that yeah I also think you like the first half more because the first half really reminds me of True Lies. Not just because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. I was going to say, I don't remember her doing a sexy dance in the, <laughs> the start of this movie. You don't remember that? I, I do not, no. no. Because um, we have different universes that we watched from. Very good. <laughs> anytime we disagree in this review you're just going to crack that joke uh, and it'll sweep it under the rug multiverse card played mm. uh, but yeah, the action is really good uh, the fight scenes that are there uh, are, are inventive it also has a like it has at times a very silly sense of humour because it'll like cut to a universe that's you know I won't spoil what they are here but they're they're weird they're different <laughs> yeah if you've seen the trailer you've seen them <laughs> yeah they're weird <laughs> uh, but like it it somehow never takes away from like the emotion like even though even when it's doing like a montage where like there's something emotional happening but it'll cut mm-hmm. to these weird universes as, as well as the other ones that make a bit more sense it, it never seems to take away from it if anything it's just sort of emphasizing the point it doesn't matter how silly things are the emotional yeah. core of what we're talking about is always going to be true. So in a way, yeah. it actually enhanced the messages at those points in the film rather than detract from it because it was distracting that there was, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the audio listeners didn't get what I just did there, but the visual listeners got a, a great tease of what was to come. <laughs> um, yeah. If I was to tease someone about this movie, just to sort of, like, give something without context that, that won't spoil it because it'll make no sense to you, I would just lean in and go, Bagel. Mm-hmm. And no one would get it. Unless they've seen the film. Bagel. I've not seen a, a movie with a bagel so relevant to its its plot <laughs> since... Well, maybe ever. I can't think of a movie with a bagel related. We love our bagels here. Yeah. I mean, they're not donuts, but uh, I, I can enjoy a bagel. What? You don't like bagels? No, I do like bagels. No, I can enjoy oh, okay, a bagel, okay. but if I see one from a distance and I think it's a donut, I'm disappointed that it's a bagel. I need to be, oh. I need to know up front it's a bagel. Okay, well, you can't have um, a donut with, you know, onions and poppy seeds and garlic. Well, no, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> exactly. Are you arguing bagels are superior because you can put those things on it? I mean, I don't really want to go into this conversation, but if we must. (laughs) I think bagels are more substantial. I don't hate myself after I eat them. Well, obviously. (laughs) Oh, 
everything that's tastes better is is g guilt afterwards. <laughs> this is not this is not uh, you know a uh, shocking discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, I'm glad we can have this conversation. <laughs> Let's get back to the movie. <laughs> oh dear. Um. So yes. Uh, as far as other stuff goes, yeah, the music's pretty solid. Like, it has a really kind of upbeat vibe a lot of the time. Uh, it it kind of has to, like, deal with a lot of change of, like, visual styles and, uh, hell, even the aspect ratios get played with a little bit, uh, which, mm -hmm. you know, I'm always always interested in sort of breaking that down a little. A little. Uh, my understanding from watching the movie, uh, obviously there's some that are 4 by 3 but uh the regular world is 185 which is close to a widescreen tv you get little black bars at the top and bottom but you, you don't really notice them because they're so small uh but whenever someone is using or connecting to a, another universe uh it goes wide into 2.35 to 1 so you get the big black bars coming in um and i'm sure i assume in a theater it just went wider uh as opposed to the effect on a tv where it's in a kind of shrinks in a little bit uh, to create the effect. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed this one in theaters. I, I really wanted to go. I just, um, there's a lot of movies out at the same time that I wanted to go see that I missed. Uh, just too busy, I guess, with work and podcasting. My second job. Sounds like I'm getting blamed for you not seeing this in the theater now. <laughs> well, well, it depends on how you want to take that, but it's not my intention. Feels <laughs> like I'm getting blamed. Yeah. Feels, feels like, uh, Burden on the show on the shoulders. Just don't. Yeah. Stop playing. Let's move on. <laughs> Forgive me for trying to have some humor. Yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm sorry that I missed it in theaters because it would have been a really fun one to catch. Yeah. I I, I guess the the way I describe this movie is full of energy because it the pacing. Mm -hmm never really lets up and if anything that's part partly why i think the second half at least on this first viewing felt too long is because if you know it's cutting around constantly and that's actually quite exhausting it's like you think oh there's a lot of you know things that you're going through so it should feel very fast but it actually doesn't like sometimes what feels quicker is when you've just got like if a movie's made up of like five really long scenes i think that can go in really quick because you know, by the time you get through three scenes, oh shit, I'm halfway through the movie. <laughs> like, this time's flying in. As long as it's well directed, that you know it works like that. But when you've got lots of little things, like you know, you're yeah. sort of going through it, it, it does end up like stacking up, and you feel like you're oh, just, oh this is it's kind of exhausting. There's so much going on. Um, yeah, it's nice that there are moments where, like, the music slows down, and you it gives you a moment to relax and like catch up. Some of the universes are just a bit more calm. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's one that's very. Uh, uh what's the name of the director uh it's, it's very intentional it looks like one of his films uh Wong Kar Wai I think his name is I maybe jumble his name up a little bit there uh but he did In the Mood for Love and he's done a lot of like prestigious uh films in fact Michelle you might even be in one or two of them that's why I haven't seen it uh but uh like the the there's a universe where it's a bit more glamorous I'll just say uh, and that's kind of, you know, it's the, it's the one where Whalen's like in a suit and he looks really smart and not like mm -hmm. this, you know, frumpy, goofy guy that he does like in every other <laughs> universe. Yeah, he uh, cleaned up all right. I actually yeah. didn't even really recognize him. Like, who's she looking at? 
Yeah, if you look up, if you look up in the mid for love and you just see a couple of photos of that, you'll immediately go, "Oh yeah, it looks like this. <laughs> this is this is what this looked like." Um, yeah. so that was a very intentional choice, I think, uh, to kind of, you know, bring that in. Uh, honestly, I was wondering if they were going to pull some sort of wacky thing where they actually had like a universe where she was like. I mean, I know she was Evelyn in every universe, but I wonder if they're, they're going to pull something like, oh, we cut to universe and it's Star Trek Discovery just for a cameo because <laughs> in one universe, she's on a starship or something. And Well, they definitely use footage from, like, red carpet events that is just Michelle Yeoh. Oh, sure. But you know, they're, they're pretending that it's mm-hmm. Evelyn, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, I mean, I actually almost respect the restraint to not, like, you know, ask for permission to maybe, do something wacky maybe, like that. Uh, Georgia was in one of the flashes when uh, like, there's a scene where it's just her face and it's just like a thousand images, versions of her face that go by super oh, fast. Oh, you mean the the scene that uh, <laughs> anyone that suffers from seizures should never watch? That scene? Yeah. It's very intense. Yes. Uh, if you if you suffer from epileptic seizures, <laughs> probably not a movie you can watch, to be honest. There's a couple of very flashing sequences. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun. I mean, it goes by so quickly. I imagine it would be really fun to go frame by frame and just to see all the work that was put into it. I think I saw like a a nun that was a skull <laughs> underneath it at one point. <laughs> but yeah. In any case, maybe George was there. It was a mess of a bit. I can't even begin to like tell you what the what any of them were because I know what moment you're talking about but it was just sort of like flies like one frame of each one just like a machine yeah. gun yeah uh, so yeah I think we'll give the spoiler warning and start talking about it because I feel like there's a lot to talk about in the movie uh, yes. so we will get into the film so full spoilers you have been warned um, yeah I, you know, I do want to talk about the opening of the movie still because I think the opening is is excellent um, I do love the first tease that the universe stuff is happening because you just you just see the, the security camera in the background, like all of a sudden Whalen's like his body language has changed and he's like diving over the counter and like just you know, <laughs> and it's part of the performance. He's become a ninja, yeah, yeah, and it's part of the performance of the actor that his body language does completely change when he shifts from, uh, you know, the main universe, which is what I'm going to call like our universe, of the movie. And then to Alpha Universe Wayland, which is, you know, what we come to know the one he's from uh, that's visiting, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like there's these teases in the background that this is happening. And uh, but like there's so much energy in the way it's following Michelle Yog and, and in, out of the apartment and into the, the, the laundrette and all over the place, dealing with the customers, uh, Big Nose Lady, uh, which. Jenny Slate? Jenny Slate, yeah. <laughs> Mona Lisa. Well, no, that's not what I'm. Call- I mean, I agree. With- I mean, I agree with the joke because she does have a big nose. But uh, mm-hmm. that- so that's you know, Evelyn calls that, her that. That is what Evelyn calls. Yeah, her. Evelyn calls her that, and because uh, there's a lot of like them talking in like Mandarin, like in front of people and just saying whatever they want because they- no one can understand it. Yeah, um, it is pretty strategic. Yeah, uh, which that's the other thing. The opening 10, 15 minutes. I mean, there's a bit of it throughout the film, but the opening fifteen minutes especially does a lot of like jumping between languages. Uh, back and forth because the daughter mostly just speaks english and uh, as we discover isn't very good uh <laughs> with her with her chinese because she tries to greet her grandfather and eh, it doesn't you know it doesn't quite mm-hmm. work out uh but uh, yeah there's a lot of important stuff set up here you know there's the moment where she's looking at all the receipts and the bills and stuff on the table 
and she's worried about what her father's going to think of all this and he's not going to see that they've built this uh you know business that's 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 thriving and they've got this life and Whalen says yeah but that's what you see right and she doesn't really like give him a proper answer so like right away it sets up this theme of like this is about reflection this is about looking at the life that you have and what maybe what you wanted or could have had instead and like then it further goes into that because when they go to the irs meeting it sets up that she has all these things that she starts doing but seemingly gives up like she wants to be a singer at one point so they bought a karaoke machine uh she wanted to be either a writer at one point so they bought something for that uh and which is partly why they're in trouble they're claiming all these expenses as part of their business for it's like it's a laundrette you know <laughs> you can't claim a karaoke machine on a laundrette well they have parties that's true they're, yeah they're having a party for chinese new year that night uh that's true that's true uh, it gets busted out i mean we see it uh later on that's true i don't know if they can have you ever seen a laundrette have a party <laughs> I, I don't know. I think they're trying to establish that they have some sort of a like a relationship with their customers, not just like the ones that are always coming by, but like um, maybe they're like part of the community, you know? Yeah, they're, they're definitely going for that. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's so impressive about this opening is you really get a good sense of who the, at least the main three members of the family are. I mean, the grandfather as well to an extent, but he's kind of more of a, uh, a plot device of a character or uh you know rather than a full-fledged character he becomes himself. more important in like the last third of the film yeah yeah, yeah. We, we sort of like but it's more about like evelyn's relationship with him so it's still more about harlan as him specifically mm-hmm. um but and she is the main character don't get me wrong but everything but i think both joy the daughter and wayland the husband both like have their, a good amount of their own stuff that makes them feel really full, some, fully fledged some of my um biggest laughs though definitely came from the grandfather <laughs> <laughs> even in the flashback moments i mean later on when we get multiverse grandfather uh from another world it's like <laughs> he, he literally not only does he have like a super fast wheelchair that's like a rocket he seemingly makeshift makes like a exo mech suit out of random <laughs> yeah, computer parts Starship Troopers, yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, it starts out trippers, but if you look at it, it's literally just like, oh, this is like a like a like part of a modem like here that's connected to something else, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. What did he Actually, do? Actually, I think we see it in the new Avatar trailer. <laughs> he MacGyvered an exo suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting visual. Well, uh, the, you know, the I'll that. Alpha universe seems to be the smartest universe. They call themselves the Alpha because they're the first ones that actually thought of the were able to travel through multiverses and it was evelyn from that universe who's now dead but she is the one who actually believed it could be done and discovered it mm-hmm. uh but and like obviously it turns out that the daughter from that universe is the the villain of everything like because you know because you know when when Wayland first shows up in the elevator and he explains oh there's this great villain that's, that's grown in the darkness and is going around and she has to be defeated and i've been searching every universe for the person who can stop her and that's led me to you evelyn you're the one and it's interesting because later on he also says that the reason why she it might be her, why she's the Evelyn that might be able to do something is because she's like not good at anything but she keeps trying she's tr- because she's tried all these different things so 
Because it's the, it's the classic thing of, like, every time you have a choice of a left or a right, like, that makes a new universe because there's two yes. outcomes, right? So the idea is that because she's, like, tried to do all these things and failed at all of them, every single one has an alternate universe where she succeeded at that one particular <laughs> thing. And it makes her kind of unique and special in a weird way. <laughs> it's also that she's... I mean, it's a bit later on that, we, that it's revealed, but um, every decision that that we make can branch off into uh two different universes so the one where you went for it and the one where you didn't mm. and somehow this evelyn is the version that always picked the the worst decision every single time apparently which is important for the themes of the film because ultimately because obviously when she first like gets a taste of being a movie star and like this other world she's mm -hmm. like oh this is way but this is what would happen if i didn't come to america with my, with my husband God damn it! I I want to she go there. She become Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> she, she she's like insisting that she like she wants to like brag to him about it, and it's it's almost a little bit mean. I mean, I know he he already had the divorce papers, so it's kind of like you know mm -hmm. maybe she's feeling you know pissy about him right now because he's he sort of sprung that on well, her. It's a little bit like she's she's blaming him. Like yeah. this is I, my life sucks because I chose you. But of course, the, the whole message of the film ultimately, at least part of the message anyway, is that no like even like whatever you have like it doesn't matter what you don't have like you, there's something to cherish in what you do have and obviously by the end that's something that is it really comes out and uh but we'll, we'll get to a lot of that stuff but i, I just uh i did like uh, not that it's meant to be a surprise because they reveal it like right away but like i like as soon as he said there was someone who was the villain i'm like it's the daughter like there's no way it's anyone but the daughter <laughs> I mean, they're already antagonistic from the beginning of the film before any multiverse stuff happens. Oh yeah, because she's like, you know, she says you're getting fat. The, the, you know, Evelyn says that to Joy, our daughter, uh, yeah. and she things like that. Picked the wrong thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, even I know that's not what you say to a, a young woman. Like that's just not. <laughs> It's not a smart well, move. it's also, I mean, it's like the last thing that uh, Joy needed to hear when she needed to hear something else loving from her mother in that well, moment. Yeah, because she feels judged because she's like, her her mother is not wanting to tell her father, her, you know, her grandfather that she's gay, right? Because she's got this girlfriend. Becky. Becky, there you go. Um, and she wants to like tell her grandfather that she's gay. And Michelle Yeoh is like, no, 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 no. Look, he's really old. And like I said, the actor is literally like 90 when he was shooting this, so he is old. He's from uh, a different generation. He won't understand. Just feel grateful that you have a mother who is okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> but she's clearly not okay with it. <laughs> but she also she also says that, you know, he may, he may have a heart attack and die. Like, you may kill him. Like, like do you really want to kill him? Uh, which is a lot, a lot of pressure to put on someone and guilt to put on their shoulders, you know? Yes. Um, yeah. Another theme of the film. Yes. So, well, that's the thing. Like, we've, we learned that he was like that with her and he disowned her for a long time for leaving and going to the US with this, this you know, young man that he clearly didn't appreciate or like. Um, mm -hmm. And what's funny is that, uh, Waylon keeps calling him father throughout the film. And it's obviously he's trying to be respectful and like you know you're the father of the family because you, you're you're you know my father-in-law, um, but eventually in the movie like he turns around and goes stop calling me father. <laughs> <laughs> Not in English obviously, but I, I, you know. Yeah, um, it's also reflective of uh, like when we first meet Becky and she says uh, she calls her Becky calls Evelyn by her first name and says uh, and then quickly follows up with. Uh, Mrs. Wang, like, clearly you told me to not call you by your first name. And then uh, we meet 
she meets uh well she sees waymond again and <laughs> calls him mr wang and he says no call me raymond <laughs> yeah well that's the other big thing about the movie is like obviously like the value in what you have but uh it's very much about optimism versus nihilism and Waymond mm-hmm. represents this like really optimistic character. You know, he's literally leaving googly eyes around and things. And Evelyn's getting pissed about it when they're talking about the the, the audit. And he's like, "Look at well, you know, we've built this business. We've got things to be happy about." And she's just feeling the stress and everything's too. And part of it, this is her fault. When they go to the IRS meeting, you stop. I, I kind of stop feeling sympathy for her to an extent because when when Jamie Lee Curtis, as much as she's been kind of mean, right? I'm like. Wait, you're trying to claim all this shit on your... <laughs> like, I'm kind of on the IRS's side here, to be honest. You're kind of t- taking the piss. <laughs> like, you, you're, you're clearly, you know, you know, do, like, whatever. Anyway, so, like, th- this whole idea, and even the googly eyes, when we talk about the bagel later, I think the googly eyes are actually a very intentional, like, image, because it's kind of the inverse of the bagel, when you think mm-hmm. about the visual of it. Um, sure. So... But yeah, so like the idea that like she's going towards nihilism and the evil version of her daughter from this other universe, um, which you could is like fall f- into the yeah, nihilism, full nihilist, uh, what basically and basically wants to like just like I don't want to say commit suicide, but that's effectively to an extent what it feels like when she's like, I'm just going to go away into the big donut or the sorry, the big bagel wishful thinking uh, um, uh, but like you don't want an everything and, and everything don't it no i don't no i don't i don't want everything bagel either but... everything bagels are delicious yeah but in the movie and everything bagel is literally everything <laughs> that's ever existed on the bagel not just food items right i don't even want all food on a bagel like i mean i don't want uh, to pick something that's not suitable on a bagel <laughs> Uh, beef. Well, the wild man is an end. Man, is disgusting. I mean, actually, beef might work in a bagel. To be honest, you know, that's the, the bagel is effectively a sandwich. Meat's perfectly fine. Jelly. You wouldn't put jelly on a bagel. What? <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> jelly, as in what you call Jello, right? Jelly to me is oh, okay, is, okay. is 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 the the dessert that shakes. <laughs> 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 yeah i just picked obviously a lot of people make bagel sandwiches with mayonnaise i just picked something gross and made with animal products which you should avoid <laughs> yes yes um which is funny because in this the movie uh alpha Whalen at one point gets really excited about the cream cheese because uh like, there's no cows in his universe yeah, anymore they're all dead or something <laughs> um dead. yes so Anyway, so you got the nihilism, and you got Wayland who represents this optimism, and it's kind of like trying to like win out with the the optimism by the end, and uh, so you, you've got that like at play, and you've also got the the actual just family stuff, and the idea that she's kind of being to her daughter what her father was to her, and being really judgmental and being really specific about like what she expects of her, and always being disappointed, um, and not in a way that makes her look a villain and unlikable. Like it all feels kind of natural enough uh, to an extent. You know, she's still very enjoyable to watch as she's going through these early parts of the film, despite the fact that you clearly look at it and go, you shouldn't have said that to your daughter. You should be nicer to your husband. To the point where when he pulls out, like, the divorce papers, and he's clearly, like, kind of guilty about it. He's not an angry man who wants a divorce. He's kind of, 
like i think we're at this point maybe because he missed later on we see like a scene where he says oh this other like couple that he knows like they they actually worked things out after they started talking about having a divorce because it kind of like forced them to really address like what was going on in their, in their marriage yeah. Um, and that was kind of maybe his hope here as well. Uh, and he says in another scene also was that the only way he can get her attention to talk about something is if there's an emergency. Otherwise, she just won't listen. Yeah, she's too busy. Everything's too important. So mm-hmm. they can't talk. Well, everything's on her shoulders, right? So. No time for googly eyes. <laughs> but I mean, hell, even that idea, right? The idea that he's the optimist. He, mm-hmm. he got divorce papers drawn up and the hope that it would help fix his... How many people would do that? That is like the most <laughs> optimistic sounding thing I have ever heard in my life. And it's kind of endearing. And he's a really likable kind of guy as well. You know, he's really nice with the customers. He's joking around with them. Uh, you know. Yeah, even the guy that's clearly stealing from them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it ain't another 20. <laughs> and kind of hitting on his wife as well. He's like, oh, yeah. you wear the same perfume yeah, as my wife. Yeah, he's a Yeah. <laughs> Not cool. So... Yeah, like, like even this ultra optimist guy, he's the heart of the film in, in so many ways. Like, uh, and because I wasn't sure like how important, because part of me thought at the start like, okay, she's going to go off on this multiverse adventure, and he's not going to be that important in the grand scheme of things. But by the end, I'm like, no, he's the heart of the whole thing. Like, he's was, you know, yeah, it's really it, it, there's there's two like big things that happen. Obviously, it's uh, it's mending her relationship with her husband that has to that ha- comes first, and then it's also mending the relationship with her daughter, who's the big bad of it. And they're just so you know far apart from each other, even though they have a lot in common. But like, you know, that's those are the two. He's like the mini boss fight <laughs> that helps her, um, you know, defeat the the big bad one at the end. Yeah, and then, like I said earlier, you, you could read the whole movie because, you know, obviously there's this emotional, like, heart-to-heart that they have in what it seems like the main universe towards the end, right, around the, 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 the party that they're having the laundrette. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like they're almost, like, addressing, like, what the, what's going on in the movie with the multiverse stuff, but they're not really. And you could almost read this as, this is the only thing that's really happening, and everything else is just a representation of, like, oh, my daughter's going to leave like I left my father, and I'm going to lose her. And maybe I'm willing to let her go because that's just easier, and I don't have to like go through the the effort and like I'm too worried about what she's going to turn out to be and and things and the idea that the daughter's starting to like resent her mother and wanting to leave and wanting to you know just separate herself from her parents because of that is mm-hmm. kind of what the nihilism represents and like so there's there's a lot of smart like meanings behind what's going on in the movie which I I really like. She also, you know, she's the younger generation that is kind of nihilistic. I mean, they're coming into a world that's got climate change and, you know, (laughs) people who are so divided politically, like everything kind of feels like nihilistic to that generation already. Yeah. I feel old because you're saying that generation and not our generation. (laughs) But I I mean, maybe our generation, but... um... I guess technically... It doesn't mean it's not our generation when yeah. say that generation. Sure. But, I mean, no, I mean, technically, yes, this is a Zoomer and we're millennials, so technically as another generation. But I, I feel like we're... I feel like us... We in are the, old. At least I'm old. <laughs> yeah, but I, deal. I feel like us and the Zoomers are united against the boomers. Come on now. Like... Yeah, I, I suppose. There's, there's a divide here that I think we're still on the, the right side of. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. It can be overwhelming, and it, it could be like a, 
you know, her mother has so many expectations of her and instead of just um, d taking them all on and doing what's uh, pleasing her mom, it, instead it's just, I can't do any of this that you're asking of me, so I'm just going to not do anything. I'm just going to sit it out. <laughs> yeah, um... And I'm going to talk about a lot of this stuff in order, because I think when I'm talking about the actual mechanics of the multiverse stuff, it's easier to go through it in order. But the one thing I want to bring up just now, from later on, is in the the uh, you know the movie star world where the she meets up with the, she, she meets she meets like her husband Wayland uh, or sorry Waymond not Wayland not Wayland. <laughs> well, Wayland's an actual name. I've never heard Waymond before. I I said this before we started, but it sounds like I'm doing an impression of Jonathan Ross, who can't pronounce his R's. That's <laughs> when I'm saying Waymond, but that's his name. His name's Waymond. Um, mm -hmm. But he, you know, he, she runs into him at this premiere, and it's the first time she's seen him since she decided not to to leave with him. Right? This is the idea that that was the decision that changed everything. So instead, she went and trained to be like a kung fu like expert and like a. She has, she has like this mentor woman who trained her at a like a uh she like secluded help, retreat. helped her fight off uh some guys who got her in a corner yes in, in an, an alleyway alley yeah like yeah yeah and she trained and her to be a badass the of kung fu. <laughs> which then turned into a movie star which i'm like okay this is i mean i'm sure like uh michelle yo's backstory is not exactly this but the fact that she <laughs> she's martial artist and became an actor sounds a little bit like her <laughs> yes uh but you know she she meets uh women there and they, they sit next to each other and they sort of rekindle uh like outside you know they have this kind of like moment and talk about oh what if you know what if we did stay together you know do you ever wonder about it and stuff but it all bu bubbles up to like kind of where the, the movie starts to make a heartful turn because you know it, there is a, a portion where it feels like she has gone down the nihilist route because she's sort of experiencing things like her daughter um, and I'll go into the specifics of that later, but um, there's a moment where he says, I would give up, because he's, he's clearly doing well, he's got a fancy suit, his hair's slicked back, he's, he's clearly a, a, you know, a, a, a successful man, she's a movie star, clearly filthy rich, and he says, I'd trade all this, I, I would happily do laundry and, like, taxis with Texas. you. Yeah. And well, yeah, he says that, um, yeah, like... That also sounds nice, basically. Yeah, you know, it's just this idea that, you know, even with all this success, he still wonders about, you know, I kind of wish I'd stayed with her. I wish she never made that choice. I wish she, she chose to come with me. And, and this is the only, like, Wayman that we see that's not really the optimist. You know, he has a little bit of that, but he is very... Um, uh, he's not goofy, like in you know, the other universes. He's not goofy. I would argue that him still thinking this way still makes him ultimately an optimist, but... Uh, well, he, like, he pushes her away in this also he tells her like that option would have been good also like you know i'm okay with just doing laundry and taxes with you forever but he still kind of rejects her in this universe but yeah because he thinks that she's not going to like go through with it you know because she goes to kiss him or whatever and like he's like don't give me false hope like and yeah he is different a little bit but i still think he's ultimately an optimist and i think the the cold the colder version of him that's here, I think the idea is, is that this is him that, like, where, where she made that choice and didn't go with him, it did make him a little more jaded. It did make him a little colder. But ultimately, he still comes through with these sentiments that he still wants to be with her. To me, to me this was one of the most heartfelt moments of the whole movie, is oh, that totally. this successful ver version of him wishes that he could have a mundane life with her. He would rather that than what he has. 
uh or at the very least it sounds like it wouldn't be so bad and like it would be worth the the, the, the price of exchanging his life for whatever he could have with her uh and it kind of makes you go uh oh, you know because obviously if, if our evelyn is experiencing all these different universes at the same time at this point like that's gonna make her feel a bit guilty because she kind of wanted to rub it in earlier on like aha like the life where i didn't pick you is so much better and everything's i've got all this money i'm a movie star red carpet but she uh, still invites wyman i'm a badass she invited him to that premiere so you know part of her in that universe also misses him and wonders what if oh uh, yeah but uh i think our evelyn didn't know that necessarily <laughs> uh yeah. when she was going well, to brag maybe. about <laughs> when she was going to brag about uh, how much better her life was uh mm-hmm. so yeah. it, it's you know i i think that a lot of that heart is it co- comes from kind of that idea because the, the whole thing with like so the daughter became this like monster that's you know, the other version alpha joy and that's the, the irony of her name being joy that is you know not lost on me but like her she became this monster because she pushed too far and started to experience all of her versions at the same time and it basically you know drove her into this nihilism and i, I kind of like sort of take that as like it's literally just a representation well not literally because it's a representation you know what i mean shut up mm-hmm. uh you know it's this representation of like the weight of all these expectations because she could be any of all these things especially at this point in her life when she's you know just i don't know she's a bit college age she's maybe deciding what she's going to do and what she's going to pursue and all of this is open right now to her so it's kind of that weight of all of them like on her at the same time kind of thing you know yeah yeah totally um it's actually a lot of the same themes from uh turning red which also came out this year and was a great movie about mother-daughter relationships of just oh, sure, yeah. heavy expectations and i think her just experiencing everything all at once whatever <laughs> is it makes it, everything feel like uh nothing really matters and so yeah um but she's taking the nothing matters as uh like what's the point like i can just do anything i want and in any universe now because i'm already experiencing um what life could be like but it doesn't mean anything to her because um she doesn't have anything to 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 balance it out so but of course the yin and yang of like so the 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 everything bagel is represents this nihilism and everything you know nothing matters because everything's all happening at once mm-hmm. and then the ghouly eyes, which are the inverse of the the bagel, because the the bagel is this, you know, it's, it looks like a black circle basically with a white center. Uh, the googly eyes, of course, are the opposite of that. They're a black circle surrounded by a white circle or oval. Um, so is is it literally the inverse? And it's the idea, yeah. But if everything's also happening, then you can find the good things in there too. So you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the the flip of that later on. Um, so all, all of this is to say that. Uh, Joe, just because you brought up Tony Red, <laughs> I was going to say. Um, so that movie it was, you know, the metaphor was like, you know, she's going through, uh, you know, puberty, yeah. right? And, you know, she's getting her period and stuff, and that's represented by the red panda, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the third thing. The werewolfing. Yeah. I was going to say the flip of this is that because it's an older character, it's uh, menopause, but it's represented by multiverse. <laughs> 
No. I suppose. I don't know. I, don't I haven't know. gone through that yet. I, I don't know. You're not that old. Yeah. <laughs> you're still quite young. You're vibrant. You're fine. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm all right. I'm 37. It's not too bad. I was going to name it. I was going to put a number on it. I. It's okay. Okay. I don't care if people know. Okay. Okay. Don't mention my age. Um. So, <laughs> it was a joke. I don't care. I had to uh, think about it for a second. How old are you? 52. Anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so... You've got, like, when when Michelle Yeoh's character, Evelyn, starts to experience everything at the same time as well, and she starts to kind of seemingly be tempted to be just as nihilist and go into the everything bagel with, with joy. Um, you know, the idea of these small moments and her, her husband being the one to pull her back. Because there's a line early on at the start of the film where uh, she's talking to Joy about how, like, Wayman's kind of useless. It's like, Oh, sometimes I wonder, like, how he, you know, how he would do without us. And obviously that's, like, a multiverse thing, right? It's a little tease for us. We're going to be seeing how each of them do without each other and so on. But mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic that by the end of the film, it's like, no, no, how important he is to her in terms of, like, her making the choices she makes in life and uh, well, being there. every time she's distracted and, and isn't able to be a part of something important that's going on, Wayman's the one who, like, fixes it like he yeah. he's able to make things better when she's not when she's not interfering yeah it's, that's when weird. she's not doubting him it's this funny thing where she is constantly saying that he's not being responsible and doing goofy shit and he's not helping and she, she thinks everything's on her shoulders but yeah she's constantly zoning out when the multiverse stuff happens and he's constantly like covering for her and like making things right with the you know with jamie lee curtis and solving mm-hmm. problems left and right mm-hmm. um yeah so it's like there's a little bit again it comes back to this idea of recognizing what you have and mm-hmm. sort of you know appreciating what you have um so no uh yeah but to go back through kind of the actual just you know the raw plot of the movie they, they go to the irs building not headquarters because I, I don't imagine it's the headquarters but <laughs> no I'm, I'm sure there's there's the, one the local. Uh, not in every town but there's yeah. one at least in every state and probably nearby yeah, the, I think the, they're in Simi Valley, which is not too far from where I live, or where I grew up anyway. I live a bit further now. Uh, yeah, so they go to the local IRS uh, building, and you know, there's little teases here. You know, at one point, Wayman's looking at like an old uh, Asian couple who are kissing each other goodbye for the day, and there's just this little sad moment where he's clearly thinking, "Oh, we may not have that now. Like maybe." Yeah, because he's seen the divorce papers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Like I said, it's, it's when they go to the elevator, he first sort of turns in front of her and like gives her all these uh, weird explanations, and she sees like like some of her backstory kind of play out, uh, like in front of her because he puts these like weird like uh, almost Bluetooth headset things into her ears and says, "Here's some instructions," and he writes it on the back of the divorce paper, like "Swap your shoes over and then think you're in the janitor's closet." Or you know, I can't remember the exact instructions, but that was two of them. <laughs> um, so and she does that during the 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 meeting with Jamie Lee Curtis, who uh, is very proud of her uh, audit audits auditor of the year awards or whatever mm-hmm. they were called. Uh, and immediately when she showed them off, I went, "Those are butt plugs." <laughs> you had that thought immediately, huh? Immediately, I had that thought. Those little like, butt plugs. 
Um, little did I know when I thought that, that they were going to be used in a very butt-plug-esque fashion <laughs> later One on. One of the things that really made me laugh in this was uh, when when she gets the, the, the earpieces on and she's starting to see her whole life flash before mm. her. And she even sees her own birth and the doctor handing her over and <laughs> telling her dad, we're sorry, it's a girl. And you just see his face fall like... <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think culturally I've, I've heard this about China. At least, it's, I don't know if this is still a prevalent now, but this idea that like they hope for boys and are disappointed with girls. Yeah, it's some sort of uh, honor thing, I guess, because uh, when China had their one-child policy um, because of population reasons, I suppose, um, uh, they, they tended to n- not want uh, the to raise just a, a girl. Like, a, a boy was more honorable to the family or whatever i'm not exactly sure she even says repeatedly in this film that he's of a he's of a different generation he's of an older generation that may not understand like uh, his granddaughter's sexuality and um so it kind of you know it fit into like what we'd heard about him up until that point uh Mm -hmm. but yeah so you know it sets up some of the stuff with like her going to the the it's like she's both in the janitor's closet in this other universe where she went to the janitor's closet instead Right, because that's why he says that in the elevator. It's like you can either go left to your meeting or you can go right to the janitor's closet. And the idea is that because he's presented that choice, it means that obviously she goes to the meeting because she's not a crazy person. But it means that technically, she made the choice not to go the other way, and therefore there's now a universe where she went the other way. Um, and that's where they're having this conversation. Now there is a little bit of a st- like I I think on a second viewing, I'll probably take them in a lot better. There was definitely some things with the multiverse rules that I thought were a little... You know, they weren't, like, super clear early on, because there was, like, two different things happening. There was one thing where... The, or the main thing that was happening is that whenever she, like, tapped into another universe, which is what he was trying to teach her to do, is she basically gets the experiences, at least for a little while, of that version of herself in this other universe. So she get, we get a glimpse mm-hmm. of that other universe... But it's very quickly in her head, and then she comes back, and she can do kung fu, or she can do whatever skills she's taken from the other universe. Um, but alternatively, uh, you also have like Alpha Waymond, who is like hopping to this universe and staying in like her husband's body for extended periods of time. And there was definitely times where I was wondering about the villains, like how much of this is like them traveling and hopping. Like, I had to like, like I had to get around the idea that there was two th- different things happening. There was one thing where people were hopping into bodies and like just staying around doing stuff, and mm-hmm. then the other thing, which was oh, going to another universe to like fetch some information and using it in the universe I, they're still in. Both times I watched the movie, I actually had trouble keeping track of which universe is her universe. Uh, sure. Because a lot of things happen, you know, she attacks Jamie Lee Curtis at one point. I'm like, well, did that happen in the universe where she's being audited? Or is this like a, a separate one now? Um, well, that, it, it, that's a weird way to phrase it, because technically she's been audited in both. Yeah, so I had a hard time keeping track <laughs> of, of which, which one was happening in her home universe, <laughs> her home base universe. You right. know? So, so, so basically, what, what I think is going on there with that is that I think when she made the choice to punch Jim Lee Curtis, because she basically gets worried that she could... At one point when she's in the other universe in the janitor's closet when they're at this meeting, like, mm-hmm. the, the door gets broken down like The Shining with, like, an axe or something, and it's like it's like Jim Lee Curtis's character, but she's like an evil version who's been possessed by 
the villain or something. And she's like super menacing, and it's a really good performance. Like Jim Lee Curtis is clearly just having fun with this. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, just laughs in this. She gets to be Michael Myers in this movie at points. I thought the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but because of that, like you know, it, it makes Evelyn kind of on edge. And after they're they're told you can have till the end of the day to redo all your paperwork and come back, and I won't like, you know, take your business and home <laughs> from you, and. But she's walking over to them in the elevator and Evelyn freaks out and punches her. I'm assuming at this point, the choice to punch her uh, is where it splinters. And a lot of the action crazy stuff we see in the movie at this point mm-hmm. is the is the one where she punched her. But then the real one that kind of like persists at the end and where we get like the happy ending where she has the heart to heart with the daughter, I think is the one that she didn't punch her. And that's like where... The more normal world persisted, if you will, because the punch is kind of a crazy it, it been, change. It would have been good yeah. if we had like um, you know, because a lot of times when they show that there's a a divide, like the actual screen will have a crack in it, and mm. we see two images that are slightly off, like things are going one way and and then another way. So, uh, I think if she made the punch decision to attack her, maybe that would have been more clear, because then like things get real crazy after that. Yeah, yeah, but obviously the world that we kind of end up on that's kind of the, the persistent one going forward is not that one where all the crazy action happens. It can't happens. be, right? Yeah. Because uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was attacked, and then after she was, she comes out of being taken over by the wrestler version of her, she, uh, you know, it's like, why did you staple this piece of paper to my forehead? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> why would she give her any more chances after being attacked by her seemingly twice, according from uh, no, exactly. her, the, her character's perspective? So it's not the same world. Yeah. And I think I guess it can't be. But like, I there's no real clear like divide other than like what you may think have happened. Like the movie doesn't tell you that there's a divide here. And, well, I think it's quite clear, though, in hindsight, like when you actually stop and look at what happens in each one, clearly events can't be happening in both um i think it's actually a very intentional choice not to make it a clear divide i I think the movie doesn't want to like tell you at that moment where it splinters that we're now in two distinct universes because it wants you to kind of like consider both as equal so it's kind of like presenting them side by side together uh as it goes um there is a moment when um i think when she first experiences the the celebrity universe mm where she tells um, Alpha Waymond that she doesn't want to stay in her own universe. She wants to go to that one. And he, like, freaks out and says, you can't. So you have to stay in your own. And this is the universe where they're eating bagels and Jamie Lee Curtis is a wrestler trying to attack them. So I, I don't know. It's still unclear to me, like, which universe they're in. But, you know, ultimately... Like, I still enjoy the movie so much and the the messages that come along with it that I can look past it. It's just, it's a little bit frustrating if you, like, try to think about, like, keep track of which one is her home universe. I think, I think the problem with, with the, the, the thought process in this particular case, is I don't think the movie cares that much about this because it's not, the because, you know, it's, it's not like we're watching, um, uh, I don't know, coherence or something you know, where it's about the mechanics this movie's less about the mechanics and more about the the emotional message of the of what this you know the characters go through and it's kind of like what i said earlier about how you could almost read the main universe is the only thing that's real and everything else is just a representation so therefore it doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the rules are to an extent of the multiverse hopping even though technically it's you know we're being told it's happening and we're getting these rules where 
like they to travel to another university's body to get their skills they have to do something really random but specific to each universe that'll trigger it uh it may be eating something weird or as we see later uh like two of the henchmen that are coming after because you know the the villain knows that she's in there and she's you know you know alpha joy's hunting her you know this version of evelyn and sends in a bunch of henchmen that take over the bodies of various security guards and civilians and stuff two of them who are attacking evelyn need these extra skills to deal with what she has and the trigger for it is to shove an object up their ass right <laughs> so that's where gotta the what you gotta do yeah so so basically evelyn's like fighting with the guy and it's a really funny action sequence where she's like sort of keeping the butt plug trophy away from him um which leads to maybe the most insane visual of the movie where <laughs> the security guard with uh no pants on it's, it's pixelated so you don't see his cock but he is you know he's got a shirt on but he's naked from the waist down and he comes jumping in in slow motion to land on the the butt plug and it is did you think it was strange that it was pixelated it's, I don't know. The movie's got that kind of tone that it kind of worked. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's fine. I I just thought, I just thought it was a little weird. <laughs> you, were you disappointed you didn't see some cock? Is that what you said? <laughs> well, I mean, it would be nice to add it to my spreadsheet, but it's, <laughs> it's all right. Like I'll get over it. I just thought it was a bit strange <laughs> that they would they just would include pixelation in a film. I think it's funnier that it's pixelated. I mean, because you see, like, the the trophies hanging out of them while they're fighting and stuff. Yes. And they're wearing clothes still. So, like, you could have just had him in his tidy whities jumping towards the the trophy. Well, not him. The other guy's still wearing clothes. Cause he, he, sho- he shoved something else up his ass that we didn't see. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, like, clearly, like, that's still an option that they could have gone with. Well, this guy went full, full throttle. He really believed in... Put, put, put his effort well, into it. I just it. mean, like, that way you wouldn't have to pixelate it. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't be as funny. Like, the shot of him coming over the desk, like, 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 like it's the Matrix with his, like, he's, he's, you know, he's got his knees up and that sort mm-hmm. of po- the Spider-Man jump. Like, it's funny because he's naked and he's pixelated. It, it, it is, it is a funny scene, yeah. Yeah. It would have been funny in Tidy Whities. Okay, tell you what, sure. In Tidy Whities, maybe <laughs> it's still a bit funny. But, I don't know. I, I, I got a laugh at it, but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was definitely very funny. Yeah, but th- this is actually after the first big fight sequence, which is uh, uh, Alpha Waymond uh, taking on all the security guards after uh, Evelyn punches Jim Lee Curtis. Um, and there's a lot of fun stuff here where he's kind of like, uh, like there's a good pace to it, where even when he stops for a moment to like, put the little uh, the rocks from the, the fish tank into his fanny pack so he can hit them with it. Um, mm-hmm. And even when he ends the fight and he kind of like sort of does it in a way where the fanny pack like goes around his waist again and he just clips it in. It was, it was all very smooth and there's a lot of, you know, choreographed stuff going on and like it, it's very stylish. It, that's the first time the movie goes ultra wide into the, you know, the, the 2.35 to 1 ratio. Um, like, it's like, oh, this is this movie's getting inventive and this, you know, the, the pacing's like, you know, this, this stuff is like, you need to pay attention, you need to keep up with it. There's so much going on. It does sort of feel like um, each universe has its own director, almost. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. Or just a, some sort of style that they're channeling. Mm. So yeah, she fights Jim Lee Curtis. She, she's on the run. Uh, there's a lot of running around in this office building from from bad guys, and like he's explaining more of the plot. He explains that Evelyn and the Alpha World discovered all this shit, 
uh, was killed by... Uh, I can't remember what the name was they gave her, but it turns out to be Joy. Chewbacca. Oh, they... It wasn't Chewbacca. No. <laughs> um, I think that's what she calls it at one point. She uh, can't get the name right. Yeah, but she... Um, you know, she, she learns all this stuff. Uh, we see in the Alpha world that he's riding around in a van with like a sort of... Like, do you know, do you know when the first time you see Doc Brown in the 50s and Back to the Future and he's got that helmet on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's trying to do the mind like reading device yeah it's like that but with like light up sunglasses yeah yeah uh he's, he's got that on his head and that's like him traveling that's what he's wearing to travel to other bodies <laughs> around um, the multiverse before, before we move on i just want to say the um the the scene at the office where she's starting to get all the, these instructions mm. that's what it reminded me of true lies where it's all of a sudden we're getting like um this this woman who is thinks that her life is ordinary and to the point where it's kind of boring and she wants excitement and uh her husband turns out to be this like super spy not really you know but like he's he's created karate and he's uh or kung fu with a with a fanny pack and he all of a sudden she has this exciting life but instead of being into it she's like nope (laughs) too too much to do today come back next week (laughs) and that reminds me uh one of one of the line deliveries that i really loved was uh after he does have the action scene with the the guards, and mm-hmm. he comes over and he says something to the effect of, "You know, you you either you know come with me and like learn how to defeat this great evil, or stay here and and die." And she just says something like, "I'm just going to lie down here and die." <laughs> like she just, like, <laughs> you know, because uh, because part yeah, of she is not into uh, to being involved in any of this. Yeah, because the, the only thing that I would disagree with in your comparison to True Lies, which I, I never thought of, but I can see what you're coming from actually, uh, at least in this section of the movie is the um the idea that she wants the excitement because i think it's actually very much that she's so down in her life that she doesn't want anything else she's just no i I think it's more that she's she she's definitely daydreaming of it because she you know is stopped by the scene in the movie that she's watching in the in the laundromat of these two looks like a bollywood film or something Mm. where two lovers are singing to each other and she has this like moment where she stops and like fantasizes and She's like, she's really into the love scene and like, she just long for something. You know, her life is crushing her because <laughs> of the, the weight of everything that she's put on herself. Yeah, okay, okay. I guess you were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, from here, like, obviously, I, I think at this point in the middle of the movie, it's hard to kind of, like, gauge the order of a lot of stuff. Obviously, before anything else, we should probably talk about, you know, when Alpha Joy shows up, you know, she's taken over the body of, of regular Joy and comes in and she changes outfits like every two seconds because she's swapping between you know multiverse yeah, like she can do that ideas yeah she's got all these powers because she's she's you know super villain right uh she's got like, this 70s outfit on and then she like makes a guard basically explode but it explodes it at confetti mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah uh then she uses two giant dildos to beat the other one to death uh which <laughs> so, <laughs> it's very saints row <laughs> yeah uh, so you know the movie's not afraid to have a, a wackier sense of humor but i think from here you know some of the other universes that are established um because when it transitions to everywhere it's this idea that that's when she starts to like, sort of be everywhere at once right that's where she's starting mm-hmm. to like, actually experience all these other worlds and uh, everything i think yeah. yeah no everything's the first thing oh, okay yeah everything everywhere you're right yeah everywhere is the second part and um 
you know, obviously some of them were interested in the, the prior part, you know, because the, the movie actress one keeps going, you know, we keep getting that throughout the whole movie. Uh, we also get the hot dog fingers universe, uh, where Great. she, where she's in a lesbian relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis. They're a couple in this universe. Uh, but everyone's got hot dog fingers, including like, you know, cause we see like the Bollywood dance scene again, but it's, they've both got hot dog <laughs> fingers. And we get a 2001 scene. We do, oh that's right yeah we get the 2001 parody with the with the apes but they've got mm-hmm. so they're, they're bad ape suits but with hot dog fingers yeah they're uh, better at slapping so. yeah uh, but uh, later on though the optimist part of this is like yeah but even in the worst stupid world with hot dog fingers we get really good with our feet like you know things mm-hmm. work out like we find a way life finds a way <laughs> obviously jeff Goldblum. and i imagine this is the moment where she when she actually like understands that being a, in a gay relationship is uh, can be beautiful and nice too, and so maybe she can connect more with her daughter because she understands that. Yeah, obviously that's why it's there. I you know I, I don't know if it's like as soon as like she's in that that moment, but certainly like experiencing that. N- not the first time, yeah. but like yeah, that, the, that the, universe is there for that reason. The first time it's like this horrific thing, not because of the gay rom- romance, but because like. Jim Lee Curtis has got hot dog fingers and she's coming at her. <laughs> like, yeah, uh... and they, they have like ketchup and mustard built into them or something. Oh, it's yeah. They, they start like, it's almost like they start like, just like drilling much mustard and ketchup when they get aroused, I think. Mm-hmm, was something the, like that. Yeah, that's what was it's going really on. It's really gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> and then you've got the universe that everyone talks about from the movie, which is the one where they're there's no life evolved, so they're just rocks. So it's like her and her daughter, uh, Alpha Joy, having this conversation as rocks. Um, Which I thought was hilarious. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> subtitled conversation. Um, yeah. And then eventually, you know, when she becomes optimist towards the end, they get googly eyes. And the 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 Joy Rock tries to commit suicide by going off the edge of the, the cliff. <laughs> and it's this really, like, bizarrely sad but funny like sequence i think that's that's the other thing that i would really point out as well is that obviously right it from the start it's like okay there's main universe joy and there's alpha joy who's the villain but at a certain point when they're talking to each other that stops mattering and it's just no this is just evelyn and joy mm-hmm. um like it still represents her daughter and this is still about what you know which is which is why to an extent i almost kind of like none of this really happened that's what this was all just a representation of like the the, the tornado of thought in her head as she's dealing with her father and her mar- like you know living up to her father dealing with her daughter and how she treats her daughter dealing with her husband and how she treats her husband <laughs> like you know um and I think that's part of like because at a certain point they just all it kind of doesn't matter anymore that they're the different universes um I guess I mean I suppose the people who would have remembered would be her and joy at the end of it. Yes. And we don't really get that conversation, so we don't know if that happens or not. But so if it was real, they would have had a, a conversation between the two of them. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like when they have their heart to heart, where they have the fight, and like Joy's going to leave forever, but she kind of like, you know, wins her back over, and talks about optimism and talks about what her father has done for her, and that's why her yeah. father. That, that's why Wayman's so important to her is because he's always there to, like prop her up in like in ways that she never really noticed before um yeah the things that she has missing in her life uh he has to to fill in to balance her out yeah again going back to the idea of the yin and the yang right the the mm-hmm. googly eyes and the the bagel which are the opposite of each other 
um which is literally you know black and white and white and black you know it's literally mm -hmm. the color scheme of that so uh yeah that's an accident by any means um so but yeah at a certain point like the the, the joy in the evelyn conversations it, it stops mattering that it's really not her daughter technically uh there is some fun stuff though there's a brief moment in the middle before it goes switches to the second half where wayman's there and he's like and she's tried to explain to him that, that this universe stuff's happening and this sets up the ratatouille joke where she's like no it's, it's like that <laughs> movie where you're being where the chef's been controlled by the raccoon you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you mean you talk about ratatouille? It's like no, ra ra what does she call it? Rac ra raccoon cooney. Rac raccoon cooney. <laughs> um, uh, which sets up a joke because then when we start hopping from multiverse to multiverse, we see there's one where she's this chef, and the rival chef in the restaurant is really good, but then she reveals that there's a raccoon under his chef's hat <laughs> who's controlling him by pulling his <laughs> Did not expect that to happen. Yeah. Yeah, but then later on, this gets like sweet and amazingly funny when like she jumps on his shoulders and tries to like control him by using his hair to try and help him get the raccoon back because she called animal yeah. control and then it flips and goes no you get on my shoulders and and pull my hair <laughs> and then that's how they all this sounds insane to say out loud it, 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 but it, it works in the it context pretty of the insane movie. to watch also but it, it, it does work yeah, yeah. It, it's i mean i dare you not to smile at that scene but th there is this portion where she's like trying to explain to them this is going on but they, they do see her like fight and like do stuff that she could never do before and kind of like wait what's going on like all of a sudden uh mm -hmm. but you know because that, that this wayman is like there for a while and is like they're trying to like de-escalate de things the entire time you know as the big showdown is seemingly about to happen where they're going to go off to the bagel and all the hench people are like, coming for them and stuff he's trying to de-escalate the entire time there's a sad moment in the movie where Alpha Wayman dies because Joy finds him in the Alpha universe. And, like, he says good... He goes to kiss her because he's like, oh, this is my last chance to get to kiss you. Because, you know, her, his version of Evelyn's dead. So he, yeah. he goes for a kiss, but he, he, he dies before he actually gets to do it. And it's this really sad thing where she realizes that he just died. Like... Yeah, by his own daughter. Yeah. Um so, and I think there's actually some symbolism there, I think, when I stop and think about it. You know, the idea that mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at just the visually what's happening, this idea that the part of, like, her husband that is passionate for her has just died and all that's left is this version that exists now. Obviously, by the end, like, they, they rekindle and she's learned all the right lessons and stuff. But in that moment, that's kind of like, if you want to just read that scene on it, so, and that's kind of what's just happened is the version that's madly in love with her has just died and is back to just this one who's thinking of divorce mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so uh like any good science fiction there's a lot of meaning behind just about everything that happens but all of the scenes are filled with so much style and there's so much like thought that goes into them and the pacing and how they're performed that it never feels just fluffy like i say i do think there's so much in the back half that and you could have condensed it down a bit and made the same points uh there's a lot of multiverse hopping where she's talking to joy and stuff where you could cut some of that down and it probably make it a little bit tighter but yes yeah, yeah I, I i would agree but i don't know actually on the second viewing i felt like um I don't know what you would cut out other than like um some of the extra multiverse stuff but even that all sort of has a role to play for the final fight where she uh, chooses to fight Wayman style <laughs> and that she has to like be friendly with everybody and and kill him with kindness in a way well actually 
before that though she does the opposite there's like a montage well, yes. yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a montage where she just decides this is when she's going full nihilist when joy's having too much of an effect on her where she just decides not to give a shit in every universe and she's like mean to everyone in every single one that you know that's when she turns yep. in the raccoon and it's when she uh like she stabs right women aye not in the main universe though obviously <laughs> Yeah. No, in one of the universes. Yeah. But, but she, it's not too far away from where she is. But, you know, she... she uh, what, did, what did she say to Jim Lee Curtis? Because Jim Lee Curtis shows up at the party to, like, you know, possess the... repossess the house and the... Mm -hmm. and the, the, the laundrette. And she... What did she say to her? She says something... She, I don't know, she basically says, F this, and just sort of tells her something. I can't remember what she says. Uh, but so we get this montage of this all this happening... And then when she embraces, like, the optimism of her husband, uh, she, you know, puts a googly eye on her head, which is something she hated at the start of the movie, and she puts googly eyes on everything, and she's trying to be nice to everyone. And that's why it's so heartfelt when she's trying to help the, the, the cook with the raccoon to get his raccoon back, because it's like, no, yeah. she's trying to, like, make up for that it. That actor is also really great. <laughs> he really sells that he's attached to this raccoon. <laughs> and the raccoon puppet also was a great performance. Oh yes, yes, it was wonderful, wonderful stuff. It, it obviously looked very, very fake, but it was very fake in a charming way that was intentional. It, they weren't going for a realistic raccoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they should have called very Marvel. Good. Said, "Hey, see that CG model you've got for Rocket? Can we, can we borrow it?" He sounded very Rocket in a way, also, because uh, you know when when she rips the when when she catches them in the act, basically of cooking together. Um, the raccoon's like, you know what we gotta do. She can't leave this room. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very rocket moment of let's just kill her. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, there's a lot of funny little witty lanes like that. Uh, but definitely not the Disney version of uh, whatever Raccoonie is. No, no. <laughs> I'll be honest. I think I would enjoy. I mean, I like Ratatouille. It's a Brad Bird movie. Of course, I would like it. But yeah, Ratatouille's um, great. But the, the version where the rats willing to kill any witnesses, I'd kind of want to see that version <laughs> of the movie. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it all boils up to this emotional climax, and then the final part, which is uh, all at once, is this idea that they've both just learned to live with all this pressure. It's not that it's went away; like she, and still, on some level, mm -hmm. she's still living with all these possible lives that she could have lived. And that's kind of going back to what I'm saying, where it's not you could take it as not literal that there is all these other universes; that it's just that. No, all these, like, ideas and thoughts that could have been are still in her head, and she's still living with all of them. But, you know, she kisses her husband passionately. She's happy here. She's still trying to do a little... There's, like, a couple of... You know, when they go to Jim Lee Curtis again at the end, she's like, oh, you've actually done, you know, a neat thing here, and you've, done, you know, you've, you've, you've solved a lot of the problems. But there's still some things to clear up. You know, it's not, you're not quite out the woods yet. Um, mm -hmm. Like, there's still, like, a little bit, and that's where the movie ends. In fact... It, it, but you're not going to go to jail or yeah. be... <laughs> Yeah, sent back to China or something. Yeah, even the idea, actually, that Jim Lee Curtis gives them a weak extension when she finds out that they might be getting divorced because she's been through a divorce herself is mm -hmm. kind of this act of kindness. And that's also, in part, what inspires her. It's like, oh, like, she did something that she didn't have to. Out of, yeah. you know, uh, sympathy, out of, like, understanding and empathy of what she's going through. So, yeah, there was, like, these other, like, people, that, like, in every universe that were worth, you know, actress... Evelyn runs after Waymond and you know tries to you know win him over and so on and so mm -hmm. on. So you, you've got all these things playing out simultaneously. So it's hard not to get caught up in the rush of like just the happiness and like the optimism of the ending. And 
Uh, it's not that everything's perfect or ever will be. It's just that, like, you have to try and you'll get enough. Well, sure. I mean, even the last moment with her daughter, um, the last big moment with her mm. daughter, where, like, it seems like she's going to, you know, let her go and let her do her own thing and uh, just stay out of her way because that's what she wants and she's saying okay. But then at the end, she's like, uh, no, you are getting fat. <laughs> and yeah, I have other universes where I'm better, but I choose this one. And I think you also will choose this one because, you know, for all the universes that you've had, you were looking for me. You were looking for me, a version of me would, that would understand you. And I do. Like, I understand the weight of everything that you're carrying. I see the world the way you see it, finally. And she even understands, you know, the love because we get the scene with... um her and uh, with uh, Evelyn and Jamie Lee Curtis, where she tells her like she she does deserve love. Like she doesn't she doesn't you know have to be this cold bitch and who you know hates people and and is just going to focus on being the power that she has with her job. You know it's um yeah so like it's not a perfect universe but like it's the best one they've got so far really where they all can be together and work on things. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like the the ending with the stuff with the daughter. Just kind of because it's not. I would even say it's the best. You know, I would say you know it is kind of what it is, and that's kind of the point. Is that it's not this perfect of any one particular thing. It's this is the I life they have. It is still the one that has the most potential, the most opportunities. Yeah, because she's a blank slate in a way. Like I, I wasn't necessarily reading the. the the whole, as much as I compared it to suicide earlier on, I wouldn't necessarily say the going into the bagel into nothingness is suicide. I think it's more just about like leaving everyone for good and like being out of their lives. But there is kind of that great image where she's going, she's trying to get to the bagel, and Evelyn's holding her back. But then you see Waymond holding like her as well, and then eventually the grandfather's it's her father. It's her father first, and then Waymond's holding. Oh, then Waymond. Sorry, yeah. But you, that's the heartwarming yeah. bit as you see the grandfather holding on like he's making sure like both with of his, his exoskeleton suit yeah <laughs> but with, he's, he's holding on to his daughter who's holding on to his granddaughter so it's this idea that mm -hmm. you know he made a poor choice once by saying you know I'm disowning you for leaving with this stupid boy kind of thing and this is him like you know desperately holding on uh, to, to his family uh, to try and keep them so you know there's, there's a lot of heartwarming stuff there about just like you know holding on to your loved ones you know literally in this case but even yeah. just in a broad sense uh, and well. the glue that is Wayman. <laughs> yes, Wayman is the, the foundation. He is the heart and the glue of, of all of this, uh, mm -hmm. and the optimism that they all need. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a whole lot of um, Wayman and Joy relationship going on in the film. Like it is very much focused on just the mother daughter stuff, but like that's her dad also, right? Like um, in any universe, she seems to just not really care about him all that much. Yeah, I and think he, maybe, he doesn't really talk about her that much either. I think maybe you could just read that as it's, it's her film, it's Evelyn's film, so it's about her mm -hmm. relationship with her, um, and her relationship with her husband. So the the husband daughter relationship doesn't really come up, I guess, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, I honestly, this was a very inventive film in, in, in a world where I am. You know, very fatigued with a lot of the big franchise stuff that gets pumped out. You know, it, this is a very refreshing. Just someone had a good idea. They had a message they wanted to say with it. It's solidly directed. It doesn't feel 
like it's uh just going through the motions it's not following a template it's a unique movie that isn't perfect much like the universe that they're they're stuck with right it's not perfect but it's got full of layers it's full of weight it's got full of things that it's actually trying to say it's got fun action scenes it's got a lot of good little comedy moments it's got a lot of heart it's got good performances you know like this is exactly the sort of thing i want to see more of in movies especially with movies that are dealing with like you know it's because in a lot of ways at times it is like a light-hearted action movie <laughs> on top of being you know the big sci-fi ideas and it sort sure. of intermingles that with everything seamlessly which is impressive i i love the film i thought it was uh super fun and um definitely heartfelt and just some really extraordinary performances, and especially from Waymond. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me, but uh, that was a. I, I suspect uh, this will be kind of an awards darling, also, just because it, it was just such a great film and great, great experience. Um, so I, I'm actually going to go pretty high on this. I'm going to give it a nine. I really loved it. I'm actually going to go quite as high. Uh, just because I do, I do think the pacing in the second half, uh, at least on this first viewing, did like I, I became aware of it. You know, like I, I sort of like, it took me out of the movie a little bit, and I became aware that oh, this is going a bit long now. Um, mm -hmm. But then it sort of won me back over with the ending because I thought all the final points made was very good. But it good performances, good direction. Uh, it's witty. It's funny. It's thrilling at points. It always has a heart. Um, and the science fiction elements are fun, but they are fairly light in the sense that even though you're doing big multiverse stuff, which is not a light concept, it's very high concept, it's not like a cerebral sci-fi movie that really cares about the nitty-gritty of it. It's kind of there to just facilitate the story they want to tell. And that's okay, because that's the tone of the movie. It, it never feels like it's a, a hindrance on, on what it's doing. Um, but just for ob objectivity's sake, I'm just acknowledging that, yeah, like the actual like sci-fi mechanics are a, a little bit like yeah the, the, you know it's not it's not like solid rock you know no pun intended because there's rocks in this but <laughs> um you know it but it, it works for the basis that it needs to to give us this like heartfelt story about humanity and you know one woman sort of like you know effectively it's science fiction uh action it's a wonderful life it's like this is what you have mm -hmm. yeah celebrate it you know <laughs> um, and in so many ways with, with extra layers of course but you know if you want to boil it down you could argue that it's kind of like a, a modern take on that idea so and short round is Clarence kind of yes <laughs> yes uh, he'll always be data to me I, I, I didn't see the Indiana Jones films till I was like 17 so I was watching Goonies since I was like 5 so I watched Temple of Dune just a, a few weeks ago actually you were not in preparation for this it was just mm. on tv yes you were much older when you watched that a few weeks ago than i was in either of those examples <laughs> <laughs> it's just in my mind yeah um so no uh, like it's really good uh so I, I am going to give a, a straight eight on this first viewing it could improve with repeated viewings um but i do really appreciate right from the get-go like right from the first few minutes it felt like such a confident steady direction where it already knew what it was it already had this this pacing and feeling to the scenes and like how it was presenting its characters where 
this has a strong visual and directorial style that is drawing me in completely already. It doesn't just feel like a TV show. It doesn't just feel like we're, we're doing, you know, the basics. And that is invigorating, honestly, to me. So, uh, there you go. Yeah, especially after Crimes of the Future. What a predictable mess. Oh, no, <laughs> that, that was also a unique <laughs> film that I really enjoyed. So, uh, but there you go. That is uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, so, coming up next time, we do have to squeeze in uh, the Patreon vote winner, uh, the, we, the last one we had, uh, because the, the current vote's about to end, actually, probably right after this goes out. Uh, but the last winner was Honey, I Stroke and the Kids, so that is what we should be doing next. Now, if we do end up running a little bit late, because we've had to push a couple of recordings back recently, um, and time's a little bit tight, we may have to push it a little bit and, like, skip it and go back to it because we have to get the predator done before prey comes out and we're actually getting quite close to that so depending on how the next week goes scheduling wise if we skip that and go straight to the predator don't worry we'll come back to honey on the kids after after prey and nope because uh those will be getting done pretty much back to back so uh that's what's coming up over the next few episodes so so many good sci-fi movies this year we're getting spoiled yeah um but there you go so that's what's coming up uh, Tara. Yes. How can they support us? Yeah, if you guys enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. Uh, it's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as little as $3 per month, you will get access to bonus content, including um, episodes that we do for our more uh, campy films or B-rated B-movie. <laughs> Not B-rated, but B-movie um, science fiction films like... Uh, the full moon pictures transfer saga which was really fun we're working through the tremors sequels right now almost done i think that'll be the next one we do as uh, the last and final gummer burt gummer adventure um have films like the guyver on there and free jack and all sorts of good things and um if you donate five dollars per month you'll get access early right Remember right uh-huh that? all right cool and and the and new thing and uh well no voting is not in the five dollar tier okay that's in the three dollar tier <laughs> things are all different now okay well, oh, you were doing so well and i just all shit the bed in the last five seconds <laughs> well, why don't you take over from now on <laughs> no but no forget that oh, yeah the voting's in the ten dollar tier but like promote the new thing there's a new thing uh yeah so we're gonna be um <laughs> Uh, chasing the success of the Screams After Midnight bonus content and we're oh. going to do our own little movie meltdown where we talk about all the weird movies that I watch. <laughs> A lot of made-for-TV 70s stuff that's, that should be lost to the world, but I have found it and I, I watch it all. So uh, head on over and check out. Just hang out with us. And that's at the $5 tier? I mean, Yes. I feel like that didn't do a good job of explaining what it was at all. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't done it yet. I don't really know what it is. <laughs> okay, The Ace Meltdown is a new show at the $5 tier once per month where we just show up and we talk about all the other movies we've been watching, right? Mm -hmm. So there won't be as long, obviously, we're not reviewing them all, but we will talk about the you know, just the random films we've been watching. Not necessarily sci-fi, just anything, basically. Um, I won't bring up any horror movies because I do that on streams, but uh, otherwise, uh, just whatever I've been watching. 
Uh, Tara made it sound really specific to a certain type of movie there, but I think that's just because <laughs> she expects that's what she's talking about this coming episode. But uh, I don't want people to get the wrong idea and think it's just going to be made for TV movies from the 70s because I feel like no one's <laughs> going to give a shit about the show <laughs> if they think that's all it is. <laughs> Look, I'm just going to tell you guys what I've been watching. That's what I've been watching. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, you can also yeah. hit the super thanks button below the YouTube video, of course. Uh, uh, got your, the, the, the Twitter at Screams Midnight shares out there. Uh, we have a subreddit. There's a Discord. Check the Discord link in the description below. Um, all these things. Uh, there's, a, there's a Twitch. Twitch.tv slash TV. Or was it just MailFuzz? I actually can't remember. <laughs> but I, one of those two. It's preferred enough. Go check out all the stuff. Uh, but that is us, so thank you very much for joining us, we always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.